0: If you're an educator who loves to travel, then join us on a trip with our friends at Teach With Love Global. They're a woman and BIPOC-owned teacher travel organization that offers stress-free teacher retreats where you can unwind with the community where you're being understood. 100% of the proceeds go to helping underserved students travel the world. The vibe on these trips is always lingering rather than rushing, where you expand your cultural knowledge Gain personal breakthroughs while you travel in places like Switzerland, Peru, Spain, and Egypt. Spots are limited, so check availability at teachwithlove.com. Welcome to our classroom. In this space, we talk about education, which is inclusive of, but not limited to, what happens in schools. Education is taking place whenever and wherever we are willing to learn. I am your host, Roberto Germán, and our classroom is officially in session. As promised, back with another bonus episode. Part two, the four-part series, the Blackness Mini Summit. Yours truly, Roberto, chopping it up with Britt Hawthorne on Blackness, the Diaspora, and Latinidad.
1: Uh, well, I'm so excited to have a conversation with you. A conversation, it's Black History Month. and yes, I, yes. Lorena and I, we are thinking and discussing that oftentimes, you know, Black History, any Heritage Month or any Identity Month, right? oftentimes can be presented in such a simplified way or we flatten the narrative. And so for black history we're really thinking about how can we make this more expansive And so earlier her and I we talked about my identity being black biracial. so today I'm with you I want to talk really about what does it mean during Black History Month and representing the Latinidad um, the, the diaspora I mean it's so diverse even that one word doesn't even encompass everything so, First and foremost, Perfect. do you want to kind of just share a little bit about, like, where do you find yourself or have found yourself in Black History Month in that celebration?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I've found myself all over the spectrum, to be honest with you. It kind of depends on what season you catch me, right, because we're always learning, growing, evolving. And so I came up... I don't, I don't have a lot of memories of Black History Month growing up. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't taught in my household. My parents are uh, Dominican immigrants. Um, and there's a whole thing, you know, like, <laughs> within Dominican culture and, and a lot of these Spanish-speaking countries, you know, th- there's, there's a thing there in terms of um, blackness, Latinidad, mm-hmm. uh, African roots and the denial of all of that, right? Black denial. And so wasn't taught in the household, wasn't taught in schools. I mean, maybe there was something generic that happened. Like, I literally cannot remind. I don't think wow. I got one memory of celebrating Black history in school.
1: Wow. And hey, you were you in Florida in school?
0: I was mainly in, in Lawrence, Massachusetts. I did a couple oh. years in Florida. And then we moved back to Lawrence. And you know, then I was in Rhode Island for a year. Then I came back to Lawrence. So main, mainly in Lawrence. And I just, I'm trying to tell you, like, K through 12, I can't identify one memory of celebrating Black history maybe it happened yeah but
1: But obviously it didn't stick with you if it did happen right right and again like that's the whole point of teaching black history in school and at home it's an experience it's supposed it's supposed to be something that's sticky because it sticks with us and so if you were presented in, in black history then that means the presentation was probably flat
0: right dry
1: abstract right something that we couldn't actually connect with or contextualize um and I think at home, right, like I just did a blog post it was like 32 activities you could do with your children for black history. Mm. Because the idea is that it's not supposed to be something that's abstract. It's something something we're supposed to experience together. Um and that's so interesting you say that. So from Massachusetts to Rhode Island to Florida.
0: Not one memory. Not
1: one Not memory. one. So racially, let me ask you, racially, how do you identify? Black identify black and when did you start black on
0: black, on black
1: on black 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 um when did you start identifying racially as black
0: that's a good question i don't know probably in college because that's around the time where they start making you check boxes mm-hmm. probably in college
1: so then growing up if racially you and your family did not like intentionally identify as black, you identified as... Dominican. Dominican.
0: But there's, but there's, there was a lot of tension around that still is, you know, like the, you know, intersections are fascinating places to, to exist at, right? Mm -hmm. Because a lot happens at the intersection. And a lot is happening at the intersection, whether you like it or not, right? There's a lot of things outside of control at the intersection. And so in my case, at the intersection, this tension, there's tension. There's the oncoming traffic of the forces that don't accept uh, my Blackness and the forces that don't accept my dominicanness right because it means different things to different people
1: mhm
0: but in my case oftentimes my experience is i'll just paint an example i'll go into the folks who operate the bodega speak little to no english i'm having a conversation i'm paying for something whatever the case may be i'm speaking in spanish but they reply in a very choppy english that's making the communication hard i'm like there's a refusal to engage with me in spanish Mm. and a lot has to do with their perception of me and and what they understand me to represent Mm -hmm. and what blackness means to them and there's some strong anti-blackness sentiments obviously they won't express it that way but that's what it is and it's fascinating to me how many people don't understand this you know how many times i have to have this conversation with people people in our family people in a friend group um people they you know you've grown up in this country but like you might be a few shades lighter than me or whatever and your experience is different. That that's fine. But there's such significant gaps in understanding uh the experience of someone like me that lives at that intersection of you know Latinidad and, and black and black as we know it here in America. Right. You know, and so I um I've never felt like like I represent all of these things all of my cultures and heritages and whatnot um, but I have always felt this this roadblock with my Dominican identity like oh my Spanish ain't slick enough for you
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know and that's the whole thing in itself right like and I got a poem titled old to Spanish it's gonna be in my upcoming book coming out in the spring
1: congratulations thank you everybody pick up the book
0: yes yes. I had a poem titled, Ode to Spanish, and it wrestles with that tension of like, oh, there's so many things that are beautiful of the Spanish language and and, and Spanish culture. And, and when I say, you know, Spanish culture, I'm, I'm spreading it out to all the Spanish-speaking countries. You know, but then it's like, but I can't overlook how they became, how these countries became what they are, right? Speaking, they speaking. Colonized. Oh, yeah. Right? So a lot of people want to bypass that. I'm like, nah, I can't overlook that. So in that poem, old to Spanish, I wrestle with that tension. And oftentimes, I'm I'm reminded of certain things, you know, like whether that my Spanish is not to somebody else's standard or, you know, my flow, right? Like, oh, I got locks, And for some people, not just Dominicans, but, you know, we're going, we'll we'll keep it there for now. You know, for, for some people, that really throws them off. And there's this whole thing about like, like, that not being seen as you know part of our culture. And I'm like, but who, who concluded that and why?
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And what do you mean uh, that that's not part of our culture? When you're talking about our culture, are you including the African roots of our culture
1: mm-hmm.
0: that are so evident? in in the music that stamps our people merengue bachata like you there's no merengue bachata without the african influence Mm -hmm. many people don't want to talk about those things you know And, and so i'm i'm okay making people uncomfortable engaging them in these conversations and i'm also okay acknowledging you know my own tension with all of this that like you know every day i'm trying to learn and grow in my understanding and you know one day i may say you know something that later on when i stop to reflect on it i'm like yes that's actually not what i truly mean i mm-hmm. just said that because i've been conditioned to say that
1: yeah and sometimes we have to process through things too and i think that maybe some folks who aren't in their journey, right, or haven't started their journey, understand that sometimes we have to process through. So we say things to get to the other side, because that's the only way to get to the other side is to go through it. And you can't jump over it to the right Mm -hmm. answer. Um, I hear you, I'm like over here taking notes, because I hear you saying so many things is that first of all, we, meaning everyone, think that we experience the world as it is, but as you're telling folks, even folks who are a couple shades lighter than you saying, this is my experience, right? We're not trusting other folks to say your experience of the world because of your certain identities that you have. And I'm experiencing the world based off my identities. And so, while so both still living in this reality, our experiences are so different. But we think that my experience is the only one true experience and everyone else is having it. I also, when you were talking about like, how, how do we have all of these countries, right, Uh, these globally South countries, how we do have them all speaking Spanish, not all, take that back, but so many speaking Spanish, Um, because of course we have Brazil speaks Portuguese. Um, And I vividly remember being in seventh grade, taking Spanish, asking my white Spanish teacher, who like went to Spain, learned Spanish, and now he's teaching Spanish. I vividly remember him asking him, like, so how is it that like Mexico, and Puerto Rico and Cuba, how is it that they all speak Spanish? Like I just I was so confused, and I remember right. like it's just like it's just what it is, right? And not until like, it just okay. happened. Yeah, it just happened. Like oh, it's magic, unicorns, and not at all having a conversation about how colonization happened. Not at all connecting both what we're learning in history, but that that was lacking, obviously and learning the language spanish and talking about how the united states did not at all um trying to think of the best word here i guess the most enslaved africans were not brought here to the to the shores of the united states right instead they were brought to other colonized countries the dominican
0: all um, over the caribbean central america south america more so than the United States, and, and people often there's a misunderstanding. This, and I think there's a lot of opportunity for deeper education as it relates to enslavement of Africans in the yes. Caribbean and Central and South America. So what a missed about... opportunity by your teacher! What a missed opportunity.
1: I know, to and get I, re- into I re- some re-
0: interdisciplinary studies.
1: Yeah, and we and we think about, like, how do we include ancillary teachers into conversations, right? Or specialist teachers into conversations. So, like, I, I hear so many, so much of what you're having to do and sometimes the burden that you're having to carry into your adulthood is because in K-12, we obviously didn't have an expansive Black history conversation that included Afro-Latinos, Afro-Latinas, that included um, Afro-Caribbeans that didn't talk about the colonization of language and how language is shared and passed and forced and sometimes can be liberating, didn't have conversations. I was telling Lorena earlier, um, I don't ever remember being presented, like learning about anyone who was biracial with Mm -hmm. that language, right? Like we learned about Booker T. Washington, we learned about um, W.E.B. Du Bois, right? We learned about people who were black biracial but, they, but it was always just painted as they were black, right? Right. And, and whenever right. we do that and we flatten that narrative, we steal, we literally steal learning opportunities. We erase learning opportunities to say, like, have you ever thought about, like, why we've always had biracial people? But people want to avoid that conversation because oftentimes, you know, during that time, oftentimes we would then have to talk about uh, rape. We have to talk about power. Right. That's right? at the at the root of all of our conversations, it's always about power. Who has it, who's misusing it. Um okay, and you also touched on colorism. So I think oh, we still we're still good on time. So so now that you're kind of at your journey of how you identify as black racially, um, ethnically, I hear you saying dominican yeah yeah really how you identify
0: black dominican american black represent my race dominican representing my ethnicity american representing my nationality because
1: nationality. like love- in,
0: in 2022 i'm trying to embrace my american identity yeah because i'm like you know i think for a long time been shunning it for some obvious reasons things we're not proud of in terms of our country and whatnot but in 2022 i'm like well hold up Nah, I you ain't gonna steal that from me too, or I'm not gonna allow you to, right? I'm, I'm gonna embrace that I am American mm-hmm. and that that's okay, um, and understand like what that means to me, what that represents. A lot of what it represents to me is that you know, I'm from Lawrence, Massachusetts, uh, and, and Lawrence has a particular identity, um, but that's when I think of I too sing America, you know, I'm singing about Lawrence, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah, America on a broader scale, but like, you know, that's what it brings me to. It's like the city that I I was born and raised in and the hardworking people it represents, um, the grind, the positives and the negatives, all the things that help shape me. And so, yeah, I identify as Black, Dominican, American.
1: I think that's a beautiful, also a way to start thinking about black history month is asking folks do you remember when you and lorena did the activity for us a few years ago for montessori for social justice and you had us think about where do you call home mm. do you remember that yes yes and we had to like think about it and write it down and it's interesting because wherever we first immediately wrote down remember we just said sometimes you have to say the wrong thing to get to the right thing you have to process through it so like immediately if you wrote down like your mailing address. It was like, that's really probably not where you call home. Right. And I remember Lorena's response being very layered. Like I call this place home, but I also call this place home, but I also call this place home. And I think that's a beautiful way to think about black history. It's like, where do we call home? So I'm gonna ask you, Roberto, where do you call home?
0: Mm. Home is Lawrence, Massachusetts. Home is Austin, Texas. Home is Tampa, Florida. Home is Haina, República Dominicana, San Cristóbal Haina, Samana. That's where my parents are from. That's where a lot of my family's from. That's where I've spent a lot of time and and felt connected to pieces of me that I often felt were missing. When I would go to Santo Domingo, when I would be in Haina where my fathers from with my cousins with you know all my family in la carretera de 18 there was there was a, a just a my cup was completely full because there was something there speaking into my identity reinforcing my identity um that I wasn't able to experience otherwise so home is all of that and Black, I found Blackness to exist in all of those spaces, Mm -hmm. right? Because Black is where the people are at, and Black is where the culture thrives and the culture's alive, and we we shape the culture. Everybody might not embrace that understanding and definition, but to your point of understanding black history in a more expansive manner. For me, it's been a healthy way to to process that, right? That black culture has influenced the world. So it's everywhere. We just have to choose to open our eyes to be able to identify where it is that it exists how it exists how it impacts us and these are conversations that i've been engaging in for the past several years with with family members both here and in dominican republic to to really get them to process right to consider and i'm just you know framing questions that are leading them To the obvious conclusion, which is we have African roots. That's okay. That's a good thing. Let's learn about that. Let's embrace it. Yeah, you could be the most Dominican person, but your journey, your journey didn't necessarily start there. You know, your journey started somewhere else and we should have some enthusiasm to want to learn about that. Right. And I think that's a struggle with with many folks in terms of understanding their ancestry, understanding their heritage, understanding their roots, and doing the hard work to, to reclaim that by going on that journey. I think it's easier for a lot of us to just be like, I'm this, and it mm-hmm. stops right there. Whatever we define as this, by the way. Uh, as opposed to like, yes, I'm this you know, yes, this represents part of my identity, but there's these other pieces and I'm not fully aware of those pieces, but I'm willing to, to search, I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to grow with that. And as I grow in my understanding that I'm also willing to share.
1: Yeah, you know, part of us, in order for us to truly live out, like doing liberation work, being liberated people is that we have to affirm the many parts of us that white domination continues to Mm -hmm. um, marginalize or challenge or erase and all the many things that it does. And so what I hear you saying is that within the Latidad community, it's important to also unpack the anti-Blackness that has been shared, that we have picked up. Um, And even myself being my mom is white, my dad is Black, right? That there's there's a tension when you have biracial folks folks with mis, mixed ancestry that and you always you kind of know when i and when i say you i mean like we sure we kind of know when someone is ashamed of being black mm, right yeah. and they like hang on to saying i'm biracial oh i'm biracial or i'm mixed mm. right and it's what they're saying in that tension isn't saying, hey, I'm struggling with how do I still affirm my my one parent and my ancestry. What they're really saying is, I'm really afraid to identify as black because I know the way that black people are treated in this country. Like I may not have language to say it, but mm-hmm. I know deeply what it means to be black. And so I wanna distance myself. So I like kind of hear you also saying, there's that in, you know, thinking kind of to just to wrap it up thinking about an education. Um, because what I don't want to happen is other learners to have the same experience that you had, or that I had. So just to kind of wrap it up, are there any people, movements, things, any kind of like deep cultural beliefs that you think as educators, we could be studying we could be teaching we could be sharing with our learners
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so last last night babu blakes and i were were texting back and forth and he's kind of polling people on how the term black history month should be translated into spanish um, and whether it should be a uh, historia historia and this is what I'm looking you know I' would have to look at the text but you know meste historia negra or meste historia afroamericano right so. African American History Month, or Black History Month. And initially, I was just like, ah, oh, well, that's a complicated one. for for all the reasons I stated earlier in terms of the, the tension uh, within the Afro, Latino, Latina, Latinidad community.
1: Uh-oh, I can't hear you. Can you hear me Roberto? You hear me? Oh, now I can. Yes. yes.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, you know
1: Oh, wait, I just lost sound again. Can you hear me Roberto? I can't hear you. Yes. Are you getting a call coming through? I yes, my you.
0: sister keeps calling. My sister keeps calling me.
1: She's like my sister. They're like, they're <laughs> um, gonna-
0: yeah. So I, I said initially, African American History Month translated instead of Black History Month. But after him and I went back and forth, then you know I kind of came around like, nah, yeah, it should be Black History Month translated. My, my reservation was more in terms of understanding what the term negro negra, like how people interpret that in, mm-hmm. in Spanish, how- you know, in the Spanish speaking world. And how is like such negative such a negative kind of meditation because people don't have enough awareness, don't have enough understanding, there's not enough education. Um and so sometimes it's it's easier just to pause and be like, I ah, just leave leave that as is. But mm-hmm. you know, he, he kind of reminded me that like nah, you know, like people have to they they have to through their own knowledge, right? You you have to go and seek education on that. You need to become informed, like, and we have an anchor text that could guide us in this, right? Woodson gave us an anchor text, and, like, that's what we should stick with. And, and so, you know, when he said that and when we were kind of talking about this and unpacking this, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm riding with that, you know, like, let's let's stand on this in terms of directing people to the source, right? That when you read what Woodson talked about and why he started Black History Month, started as a week, but developed into a month, that really one could argue he was thinking more expansively. Think mm-hmm. about, you know, black, not just as what's happening here, but like what we understand as black universal right African diaspora and so I would love to see schools um households institutions in general I'd love to see people start there let's start by going to the anchor text let's start by unpacking the source let's start with what Woodson said why why he developed it let's work from there and then let's supplement that with other resources. Because I think that we often bypass um, what in this case, the the originator said about this. And we just kind of go into like, oh, you know, well, here are my individual thoughts in black history. Like, now what, what does the, let's, let's go to the anchor text. Let's work from there. And then you could add your thoughts and then you could add your resources and whatnot, but. Thinking about my school experience, like if I were in school now, what I would want to see my teachers do is like really start with why this was created. And I want to hear from the source directly. Let's cite the source directly. Let's understand where Woodson was coming from. Uh, And and then I want to understand like, all right, you know, what are what are the things that prevent us from celebrating this in a more universal manner? Mm -hmm. All right. Cause to the point of your Spanish teacher, like these are things that we need to understand so we can learn how to navigate things with one another and engage in these conversations and ask questions that promote critical thinking. uh, And also help us to continue to wrestle with the, what makes us so uncomfortable, these conversations about race. And so that that's what I would love to see happen.
1: I love that so much. Um, and I think you're right. I just did a conversation with Clint Smith and he was talking about as early as possible, we need to be bringing in primary sources into our classroom. And so, as you're saying, go back to the anchor text. Are When you refer to the anchor text, what are you talking about the miseducation of the Negro or is there yeah. a different, that one? Yes. Okay, so, going back to the anchor text, reading that, pulling some, even if you teach K-12, right? Even sharing that with your learners and saying, hey, I read it, this is what the book looks like. Having some photos, right? And not expecting a K-12 student to actually read. No, there's so many ways
0: you can make it age appropriate.
1: Yeah, that you can just start to integrate that. And I also appreciate what you're saying is that we have to stop flattening the narrative all of us every single human being is a complicated human being and that 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 complexity that we have is really beautiful and so we we can't keep limiting ourselves to the imagination whose quote is that is like you know we can't limit ourselves to the imagination of like uneducated white people Mm. right of like this is who we're going to present um we have to and i had this question from a teacher like four years ago And they asked me, they said, hey, we're going to do Black History Month. And I have a question. We have some students who are from um, their first generation immigrant students from African countries. Are they included in Black History Month or Mm -hmm. is it Black Americans? And I remember like really sitting with the question and was like, I haven't actually thought about this. And then after I processed through it. I was like, oh, yes, no, because we're interconnected, right? There's this struggle, and we have to complicate it. And young minds can take that in a way that older minds often start to challenge it. Like, right. what's happening with you? You are Black. You are not Black. I have a very, you know, boxed in, a very tiny, tiny, teeny itty-bitty idea of, you know, what Black is. It's like my little box. Mm-hmm. And Roberto, you speaking Spanish, is challenging my box, so now I don't know what to do. So, but thank you, thank you so much for meeting with me. I appreciate you. We have um, two more conversations tonight that Lorena is going to host. Um, Actually, I think you're hosting one and Lorena's hosting one.
0: Am I? We better talk about that.
1: Okay, maybe (laughs) we're (laughs) like, so everyone make sure you're following Multicultural Classroom so that you can get notified for our next two lives that are happening tonight Yes. and yes. also um i have lorena's book i do here it is it's on my board and also too um if you're an educator and you're following you can pick up textured textured teaching by lorena herman um this is a framework that's going to help you get going with yes. how to culturally relevant sustaining responsive anti-bias anti-racist something like all the words in there Um, pedagogy and a framework to get you going. So you can pick up this book.
0: Yes. And don't sleep on Brit. She has a book coming out and we are expecting y'all to pre-order.
1: Yes. And Lorena and Roberto are contributing authors to the book. They have a great practice um, in here talking with your child's teacher um, about um, hair, talking about affirming children's hair, and then what happens when um, something, what, what should you do when something happens? How do you have that conversation with your child's teacher? So there's a great practice in there.
0: As always, your engagement in our classroom is greatly appreciated. Be sure to subscribe, rate the show, and write a review finally for resources to help you understand the intersection of race bias education and society go to multiculturalclassroom.com peace and love from your host roberto Hermann.